welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane, your lactation consultant. And I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by Original Sprout. The Tahitian collection, the Tahitian collection, <laughs> <laughs> includes uh, Island Bliss Shampoo and Luscious Island Conditioner, among other things that we're going to hear more about later. And today's episode is also brought to you by Fairhaven Health. Uh, stop battling with storage bags filled with either too much or too little milk. The Milky's milk trays freeze your milk into one ounce sticks, and we'll hear more about that later too. Um, but you can uh, head to badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com and check out our sponsor page if you ever need anything. See if you can give any of them your business because they make this podcast possible. And while you are there, you can scroll down to the bottom and enter your email address and we'll send these episodes straight to your inbox every week or possibly your spam folder. I don't know. Because, <laughs> you know, Gmail is tricky these days, but oh. or Gmail or uh, whatever, you know, mail, All whatever the mail or email in general is tricky. Uh, anyway, so now Diane has our review of the week. And it comes from iTunes. So thank you so much for putting this on iTunes for us. And this is about spoiled babies. We just did an episode, um, I don't know, it was probably a month or two ago about spoiled babies. I loved this episode and it came at the perfect time. Just last night, someone was telling me I need to put my six-month-old in a crib and let her cry and sleep alone. I've listened to you guys enough to know that that isn't true. And I was confident in my decision to continue to tend to my child. Thank you guys. And good for you. Listen to your mom instinct. That's amazing. Um, it is really hard when other people are kind of like, being that voice in your background being like, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. Ugh. But I picked this actually when I was looking, um, looking at reviews, there was a few on like, again, on sleep and we get that a mm -hmm. lot, but oh, yeah. a lot of it is about how they feel like people feel like they need to put their baby somewhere else because of what societal norms are telling them. Mm -hmm. And um, it really come. And that's kind of one of the things I, why I picked this because we're talking about a attachment parenting today. And obviously that goes along with that. But um, I mean, it's, it is really hard to not listen to all the noise around you. It is hard. It especially is. Especially when it's your when, first baby. Well, yeah. And and when all of that noise is is just cultural norms. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not even just one person saying it or one coming from one place. It's coming from everywhere. It's not even coming. It's like you're in it. You think this is normal. And this is so going to be tied into everything that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's like you're... Your what you feel as a parent and what you feel is right and what you want, what you kind of instinctually want is like it goes against the grain of what's normal. And that is just a strange, strange way to parent. Mm -hmm. It is for sure. And yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. So thanks for jumpstarting us right into our episode today. Because yeah. it was a perfect <laughs> intro for what we're gonna talk about today. And it's you know, we're gonna and if you haven't listened to the spoiled babies, go on back and listen to it if you want to, because that was kind of like, you know, just that whole process of people being, Oh, your baby's spoiled. Oh. And it's like, oh my God, mm -hmm. I just can't even with I that know, crap. Yeah, but spoiled baby. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so now we're gonna talk about those attached babies because those are the spoiled ones, right? Like, yeah, right. Um and I remember when I first came into contact with the concept of attachment parenting, um, I, you know, we had a baby and um, we were trying to do all of these things that we thought we were supposed to do. We're trying to have him sleep 
separately from us, we were trying to, um, you know, kind of sleep train in a way. We were, and we had these expectations about how he was supposed to act around, especially around sleep, I think. And, and, um, you know, the, we went to the pediatrician and, you know, and she's like, okay, well, you know, so now you can start, you know, putting him in his crib. You can start leaving him to cry for, you know, a minute or two at a time and just increase it, you know, over days and weeks. And it just all felt so weird, you know, and we thought, you know, and that, that coupled with like how you see babies act like in TV, which are the only babies I ever saw, <laughs> you know, course. they were just like sleeping. They're just like sleeping all the time. And, um, you know, our, so Jack is, was, and still is a very highly sensitive baby. And it ties into um, the or the origins of attachment parenting that way too, because this is how a lot of people learn. I think about themselves and about babies is when they have a highly sensitive one, because the the, the babies that are more mellow, the kind of just like go with the flow babies, they just don't trigger you as much. You know, mm-hmm. they don't they don't um, they don't require like, you know, exploring certain things because maybe they do just kind of fall asleep very easily. And, you know, we babies are born with different temperaments. And so Jack is this highly sensitive kid where like, he's not going, he doesn't, he doesn't like just go to sleep when we put him down. He doesn't, and you know, avoiding eye contact when he opens his eyes was like, um, or while he's going to sleep was one of the suggestions, you know, like, don't look at him. (laughs) Um, you know, leave him to cry and all these things that were just feeling so wrong for us. And, you know, and also breastfeeding was going terribly. And I was just like Googling, you know, things about breastfeeding, things about, you know, and I came across this thing called attachment parenting. Um, just accidentally, just, you know, through, through the internet and I'm reading about it and I'm going, Oh my God, this is what seems so much more. It seems so much more natural. It seems like it's really meeting, it would be really meeting his needs. It would really fit our family. And so, you know, people talk about labels sometimes about how labels are harmful and da, da, da. But, you know, we also are people that rely on words to communicate to each other. And this word and this phrase and this label kind of as parenting was so freeing to us. It was it was just like, okay, well, actually, you know, we don't, we, f- it feels wrong to put him in another room. It feels, it doesn't feel comfortable for us to put him in another room to sleep. And so attachment parenting, you know, says to stay close to your baby and sleep near your baby. And we're like, oh my God, oh my God, that's exactly what we want to be doing. And so it was so liberating for us to kind of find this. And when if you, so the term t- attachment parenting was actually coined by Dr. Sears, the dad. You might know the son, actually, or a couple of the sons. I met one of the sons at a conference in like LA, I think it was, Mm. um, where he was speaking there and he was great. And he's written some books too. But and then there's another brother who is probably the most known. He was on the he was on that show, The Doctors. Oh. Or is I don't know if that show's still on. I don't know either. But he was one of the doctors on The Doctors. And um but the dad, Robert Sears, he was he was a pediatrician, and um, I mean, I think he's still alive, but I don't, I'm sure he doesn't work anymore. 
It's kind of a um, trailblazer but, for this stuff, yeah, really. Absolutely. And yeah. he's he he through his work and working with um working with really highly sensitive kids and then having a really highly sensitive kid in his uh, of his own. He, I think he has like eight kids or something. And he he came up with this term attachment parenting which was really based on attachment theory and based on child development which is just when you have a needy baby you really start to understand the needs of all babies because needy babies if that's a <laughs> needy babies i don't know if that's <laughs> a thing see again because they're so highly sensitive so they're maybe more vocal about their needs but they don't have different needs than other babies Right. They're just kind of like the ones that are like, oh, here, you know, they're kind of highlight it more, mm-hmm. you know, because they're much more vocal. They're much more like, you know, here's my need. And so needy is normal. You know, they they need certain things. And um, basing this on child development means that you are at every stage learning about what those needs are and meeting those needs. And so attachment parenting has. There's like eight principles uh, to attachment parenting, which I can I'll like read really quickly. We don't have to go. I mean, they're pretty self-explanatory. So one is uh, prepare for pregnancy, birth and parenting. Um, So, you know, just being prepared. And being positive and kind of, you know, we talk a lot about like birth plans and, you know, preparing for birth and just kind of wrapping your brain around becoming a parent, which is really hard. But, mm-hmm. and then number two is feed with love and respect. Three is respond with sensitivity. Four is use nurturing touch. Five is engage in nighttime parenting. Oops. Six is, uh, provide constant loving care. Seven is practice positive discipline. And eight is strive for balance in personal and family life. Now, those all make sense on the surface. But what I like even more about attachment parenting are these things called the seven B's. And they're like, um, they're, they're like what you what you call um, tools, not rules. <laughs> so I don't know if there's anybody here. I know that I'm talking a lot. But if, if there's anybody listening, I doubt it. Who was around when I first started the Badass Breastfeeder blog in 2012? Um, it's called the badass breastfeeder, and I never talked about breastfeeding. It was only attachment parenting because it was like the whole thing I was going through was like this transition into parenthood and realizing that this is that we were doing something that was a little bit outside the norm, which is actually what we ended up doing throughout pretty much our entire parenting thing. But um, that was like all that I talked about, and I you know I would just blog about this constantly. And the seven B's are really cool because they're just like things that you can do. It's like, okay, in attachment parenting, what does that really mean? Like, what do I actually do? What does it look like to attachment parent? And um, they are somewhere where I had saved and now they are... Okay. I was stalling. (laughs) Um. So the first is birth bonding. So you're taking an active role in the birth that you want. You're educating yourself. You're exploring your options. You are, you know, then you are advocating for like, you know, uh, breastfeeding as soon as you can after birth and skin to skin and, you know, being close to baby. Um, 
And then the second one is respond to your baby. Um, you know, being responsive to to your to your baby. And when they cry, you pick them up. When you, you know, when they have a need, you meet the need. Being responsive, you know, we talk about that all the time. And then, of course, breastfeeding, and then baby wearing, and then bedding close to baby. Um, so, you know, co-sleeping with the baby in the room and however way that works for you. Um, balance and boundaries and beware of baby trainers. Oh. And so these are things that you actually just see in practice. Now, that doesn't mean that, oh, I bottle feed and I'm not breastfeeding. So that means I'm not an attachment parent. Well, that's not true. Because again, these are tools, not rules. These are just things to kind of help you on your way to to being a person, a parent who is responding to your baby's needs and who is focusing on, you know, building an attachment, secure attachment with your baby. Um, and I've been talking a lot and I can pause to see if Diane has anything to say. Well, I, I wanted to say too, because you were just saying like, you know, if you bottle feed, that doesn't mean you're not an attached parent. But I mean, think of the partners. Partners are can do lots of those things to be attached parents, but they're not totally. doing the breastfeeding piece, you know? Yeah. So it's like, there's definitely ways to be an attached parent without having to follow every single, you know, oh my gosh, I need to follow all these rules to be an attached parent. That's not really what it is. right? And I think a lot of people are doing a lot of this and don't even realize that this is what they're doing. Yeah. You know, kind of like the- you fell into this going, oh, this feels right and didn't realize yeah. that it was actually a thing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And this is, you know, this is, that's exactly why, why I think, you know, people say like, it's not attachment parenting, it's just parenting. You know, these are the, these are just natural, normal ways that we parent. What's not normal is the society that we live in. You know, society mm-hmm. is built now to create detached parenting. And, you know, with the, with, you know, my favorite C word, capitalism and the 40 hour work week and the demand on everybody to just make capitalism move forward. Um, we don't have a setup that actually um, fosters this type of parenting, but, but there ha- there are in other cultures and there are throughout history has been just the normal way that humans care for their young. These are all normal people, you know, early humans didn't have cribs and houses with separate nurseries. They didn't have strollers. They didn't have, not that there's anything wrong with a stroller, but I mean, they didn't have these things, you know? So, so carrying the baby, wearing the baby was very normal. That was the only thing they knew, you know, um, and sleeping near each other. That was an absolute must. That was... You know, it wasn't safe to be spreading everybody out, you know, which is also what we talk about why babies are, um, don't want to sleep alone at night. They are, they, you know, they are wired to our early human experiences and it's not, they are, they know that they're not safe away at night. So, um, yeah, I do. There's, there's one Mm -hmm. culture, I can't remember what it was, um, where they believe that the baby's feet shouldn't touch the ground. Oh for yeah, like I think it's first, Malaysia. Is that yeah. Malaysia? I don't remember. I know it's something, but they somebody's always holding the baby because they it's not safe for the baby's feet to touch the ground, like in the first year or two years or something of their life. So yeah, it must be the first I, year because then they're walking. So totally, 
I remember, I don't know if I've told this story in a while, but I was walking around the, like when I had, ba- when I had Jack was a baby and I was walking around and I was like, so you'll meet like extremists, like extreme attachment parenting people where they're like, you know, if you're not doing this, you're doing it wrong. And so that was me <laughs> when I first <laughs> learned about this and was be- became a blogger and like I was, became a total extremist, like just, you know, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even, I didn't even own a stroller. Like I wouldn't even own a stroller. Like you have to baby wear and you have to do this and you have to do that. And if you're not, you know, in the baby wearing world is very like insane too. There's like, you can get really like, it's just very, everything can be very extreme as we know. Mm-hmm. I've loosened up over time and realized that, you know, <laughs> that's not always needed, but I was walking around this walking around our neighborhood and there was a, a grandfather. He was clearly the grandfather wearing this like tiny new baby in a in a wrap and i was just like oh my god this is so so awesome can i take your picture and he was like yeah and so we stood there and talked for a little while and it turns out that his daughter had this baby uh but it was a preterm baby and they the whole family decided that this baby would go for however amount of time without ever not touching a human So the whole family came, the grandparents came, and they passed the baby, you know, to whoever's turn it is or who, you know, they rotate to hold this baby on them for, you know, I can't, I don't know how long they were planning on doing that, but I was like crying. Well, like, where are they the from? Story. I was like, did they're they say? down the street. I know, but you said the, the like the grandparents came in. I didn't know if they came from somewhere. Oh else no, 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 no. I, I just mean over to their house. I think oh, they just okay. came in from I don't know where they live. You know, if they were like nearby or if they were in a different state, I don't know. Um, but yeah, they were just like a middle class white family. Oh my god, I love it. Um, it was just amazing. And again, of course, this is a family that has those resources to do that. But anyway, I just thought that was really cool. And your your story reminded me of that. Yeah, it is. Should we take a break and then talk yeah, about Yeah, we should take a break and I'll do some more talking <laughs> about something else <laughs> uh, during the ad break because then we'll talk about touch parenting again. Yes. Um, we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Original Sprout. Original Sprout carries safe, effective, and pediatrician-tested shampoos, conditioners, styling, and body care products produced and packaged in California, USA. The Tahitian collection includes Island Bliss Shampoo and Luscious Island Conditioner, Protective Protein Mist, and Tahitian Hair Oil. These are all formulated with oils such as coconut oil, linseed oil, jojoba oil, mangango oil, and argan oil. These oils provide extra moisturizing to control frizz, prevent breakage, and restore dry and brittle strands, leaving your hair luscious, shiny, and soft. I love this line. This is the one that my favorite um, shampoo and then all of the like the mist and the hair oil. Oh, it's mm. just awesome. Yeah. All of Original Sprouts products are paraben and phthalate free, safe for everyone, vegan and cruelty free. They are not just for babies anymore. Check out the entire line at OriginalSprout.com and you can use code BADASS for 25% off of your purchase. And today's episode is also brought to you by Fairhaven Health. Are you tired of defrosting breast milk from your storage bags only to find that it's too much or too little milk? What if you could defrost the exact amount of milk you need every time? The Milky's milk trays look like regular ice cube trays, but have 16 semi-cylinder cavities that each hold one ounce of milk. 
When it's time to feed your baby or prepare bottles for the day, just pop however many breast milk sticks you need into any type of brand of bottle. Nothing is wasted, no extra breast milk left over, tempting your caregiver to overfeed your baby and blow through your precious stash. Once the sticks are frozen, just transfer them to a freezer bag, freeing up the milk trays for your next batch of breast milk. And they come with lids so you can stack them, which will free up space in your freezer. They're reusable, environmentally friendly, made with food-safe plastic, and can be used for baby food later on. There's no BPA, phthalates, or dyes. Check out the Milky's Milk Trays at fairhavenhealth.com. That's F-A-I-R-H-A-V-E-N health.com. And use code BADASS for 15% off of your purchase. And today's sponsors and the promo codes can be found in our show notes under this episode at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com. Our show notes will also include further information about things we talk about in this episode and at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com. You'll also find our breastfeeding resources, all of our other episodes, and information about scheduling your very own one-on-one online lactation consultation with Diane. So attachment parenting, I feel like it's, well, it definitely gets a bad rap, right? Because Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Because people think that it's like, oh my God, you're doing this attached parenting thing. And they get so almost like... I don't know, like intimidated. Like if, they, if you say that this is what I'm going to, yeah. you know, this is how I I want to, I want to gear towards, you know, raising my child, raising my baby. People are, just get really, yeah, they get really defensive about it. Oh, well, that's silly and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it doesn't, it's really stuff that people just do anyway. And they don't realize that this is what it is, but it, I don't know. It's just so, it's just so weird. Like we're just so weird about babies. It's just so like. <laughs> I know. How dare we meet a baby's need? You know, we'll spoil them. You know, they'll become needy. They'll become blah, blah, blah. Um, Yeah. When really just meeting a baby's needs is how they, you know, grow optimally, optimally, you know, physically and emotionally and mentally and all these things. And now, do you remember it was, I guess, about 10 years ago now, maybe, maybe nine or I don't know. But um, Jamie Lynn Grumet was on the cover of Time magazine. Yes. Breastfeeding her like three-year-old. I think he was three at the time. So what a lot of people don't know, because the cover the cover was so controversial. It was like, are you mom enough? People Which, freaked by the way, out. I know. Well, that was a kind of, are you mom enough? It was kind of rude, but that had nothing to do with Jamie. She didn't have any control over what the word said on the cover. Um, but that article was actually about Dr. Sears and attachment parenting. Um, and that brought Dr. Sears back into the spotlight a bit. Um, and he was on some talk shows. I remember watching him on the view and listening to those, you know, ladies kind of question him about like, they're like, but this, you know, this is hard. It's hard. It's like, how are you going to do all that? They're going to like breastfeed. And then you're going to, you know, hold your baby all the time. You're just going to, you know, like, you know, it was just, you know, so hard. And he was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, what's parenting is hard. And, you know, then they were talking about how, hard it is to like listen to your baby cry you know (laughs) when you're crying it out is really hard like all these things every parenting is hard but you know again like we live in in a society where we it's like it's set up to to just it's not set up to support this so Mm -mm. i think it you know the society makes this hard it's not attachment parenting isn't hard living in this society is hard 
That's what it is. It's hard for everyone. I mean, look, it's it's the an absolutely broken, sick culture yeah. that is just you know fueled by consumerism and you know again making capitalism function. But um, but it wouldn't feel so hard, yeah, if people were supporting it. You know what I mean? Well, like, yeah. it would not feel so hard if if somebody said to you, "Oh yeah, your your baby's you know." Your baby's waking during the night? Oh, yeah, that's totally normal. Just keep responding. It's totally fine. They need you right now. They're babies. And this is normal. But that's not what you hear. You hear, oh, just let them cry. Which then you're like fighting against this. Then you have this internal battle, right? Of, oh, my gosh, I I really want to respond to my baby, but I shouldn't. So because that's what everybody's telling me, the pediatrician and my mother and, you know, my friend groups and Facebook and everybody's saying, just let your baby cry. And, you know, so that's what I'm trying to do. But internally, that's giving me anxiety, you know, like, so it's it would be so much easier if we just supported each other. And whatever yeah. your choices are, we don't, you don't have to agree with my choices and I don't have to agree with yours, but I mean, just God. Yeah. I mean, I think there is this fear that there will be this like trickle down effect of support, which would be like, you know, if, if we start supporting parents, well, that means that the jobs would have to start supporting parents too. And maybe our policies would have to support parents too. And, you know, we can't have that. We can't have workplaces being like, well, yeah, maybe you do need, you know, maybe six months or a year maternity leave instead of just the six weeks or two months or whatever that you get. Because how in the world can you, you know, respond to your baby 24 seven and then also get up to go to work in the morning? I mean, you know, this is why cry it out and, you know, why people are reliant on it because they they need to a night's sleep before they go to work, Mm -hmm. you know, and so. I think that I think there is a fear of just like giving in, you know, it's like, it's like this fight for longer maternity leave. It's like, what's the big fucking deal? I mean, and it's just like, it is the biggest deal. Mm -hmm. It is the biggest deal. And I really truly believe that it's like, we let's not, we don't want to give an inch because they're going to take a mile, you know, and we can't, we don't want to support people because we want to make sure that the system that we live in right now continues to function the way that it functions. And, you know, also, you know, it, it, I mean, there are people that have individual experiences of like workplaces being flexible, you know, like where you could, you know, I don't know, you know, have an extra break or, you know, you could you have a later start time, you know, yeah. instead of working, you know, nine to five, you work 10 to six or, you know, places that were just like, what do you need? How do we adjust your schedule? Which is, which is uh, the workplace that I was going to be going into before I decided to just not go back at all. But my boss made it clear, like, you know, just tell us what you need, you know, and, and, you know, we'll just like work around it. Um, But most people don't have that. Um, And that's what makes, I think, just attachment parenting in general, which is what makes it hard. Society makes our the, our the culture, the system that we live in makes living hard. The, Not um, just attachment parenting, you yeah, know, no, makes it's just being alive hard. My, so I have a, um, a closed group. If anybody wants to get in, all you have to do is like, you know, oh, obviously request it for, um, for breastfeeding. What? It's like, yeah, it's my little breastfeeding group, my breastfeeding boot camp group on Facebook. Oh. Um, and it's a closed group, but you can absolutely come in because, um, you know, obviously, you know, mamas come in, they ask questions and stuff like that. It's fun. So 
somebody posted on there just last night, this was. Mm-hmm. And I was so disgusted because it's, it's somebody who, who posts up there, um, you know, like if, you know, people post if they have questions and stuff. And she posted that her sister is pregnant and she's a teacher and she only gets six weeks off. So she was w- talking to her HR department, I think trying to figure out something, you know, and the HR person said, you should just formula feed. <laughs> now, first this of all, is exactly this. She is just the voice of our culture. Right. And it's like, first She's of all, it's like, you're, you work for HR. Shut the hell up. Nobody cares about your opinion. Like, why are you seriously, even, seriously. why are you even giving your opinion about that? Shut yeah. up. But that, and then somebody was like, somebody goes, what do you do? You're like, where do you even go when HR, when you can't even go to HR? Like, right. what, do you, what do you do? You know, yeah, exactly. but this is, and, and this is like, this is, it's disgusting that you, especially like, I mean, all professions where it's like this, it's just like, you're, you know, fighting against a machine. But I, I feel like when you're, I see this a lot with like nurses and teachers and it's like, you give so much of yourself to your job. So much of yourself. It's your whole life. And I mean, yeah. Right. And then you have a baby and they still expect you to put your job before everything else. Yep. That is capitalism. It is. And it's that like is this, what that is. We are just sucked into that. And it's like We're in this it. is you insane. Know. This is insane. That that somebody from HR, and I know that this happens all the time, but somebody from HR would say, Oh yeah, no, you don't get any more time of just just formula feed. Like it, I don't like I it's disgusting. Now, okay, so I used to give a talk about this at like the conferences I used to go to. And I used to use this comparison. I feel like I've talked about this before on this podcast, but not a lot. So do you remember the movie Matrix? Which yeah. I don't think I which saw you, it, but I remember it. Oh, okay. Well, see, and it's kind of an older movie now. So it's like hard because some people haven't seen it, even though you should, because it's really awesome. It's a really good movie. And like, so in this movie, he is living his life, whatever. And he kind of thinks that something's like a little bit weird, but he's not sure what, but he kind of wants to find out what. And these are all these people that like know about him that he's questioning stuff and they're whatever. So he ends up, these people end up, he gets, he ends up getting unplugged from the matrix. And there's this whole thing that you're, it turns out all the humans bodies are in these cocoon kind of things and they're plugged in and living inside of this like computer program. And I always say that like learning about this stuff, learning about like how society affects us, learning about learning about every aspect of it, learning about like ho- the hospital's relationships with formula companies and like how hospital policies are are you know not for the people. And um I always say that that's like being unplugged. And it's like you see you like you become a, you're like unplugged from this computer program and you see it you see things for what they are and you can't you can't go back. You can't unsee it. You know, it's like this whole entire like mental shift of like oh my god, I'm living inside of this machine. Mm-hmm. And you can't get out because you can't get out of it. And making change is very difficult too, because it's a giant machine. 
And so change then becomes like very, you know, it, it starts to seem a little hopeless. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like using that word because whatever, but it seems, it seems like, oh, wow, these are much bigger problems than I originally thought they were. So anyway, so that's just, I feel like that's what like this whole conversation always reminds me of Yeah, is just sure. seeing things you can't unsee that really just like show how harmful this, you know, society is to people and this system is to parenting and breastfeeding is, you know, basically what we talk about here. But another thing I want to talk about is I want to say that along with all of these, like, you know, the baby wearing, the breastfeeding and the beware of baby trainers and bedding near baby and all these seven B's that you're going to use the tools that along with this, and I think that this is probably something that we're all going through and something that applies to parenting in general, but none of this works if we don't go through this sort of healing process because we were likely not raised this way and we are all carrying, you know, trauma from our own childhood, which will come out and be triggered in ways that we never imagined as we become parents. And we need to process that Mm -hmm. because you can lay down next to your baby every night and wear them all day And, you know, do all of these things. And if you're not going through this kind of emotional healing thing and trying to be more emotionally available to your child and yourself, then it's not really going to make an impact. Because, again, these are just actions. But we need to go through this kind of restorative process, too. Does that make sense? Yeah. I just did a prenatal with somebody... um only about a week ago. And she'd even said too, like, um, I didn't realize how much, you know, childhood trauma would come back when you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. And it really does, you know, stuff that you, you know, thought was gone or buried can really or never, kind of- Or you never had. Yeah. You know, now you have this baby who has all of these needs that you feel like you need to meet. And you are realizing that, you know, that it's requiring so much more than you knew. And you were likely not parented that way, likely did not have those needs met. And now you have to meet those needs of another human. You have to meet the needs of a human who had the same needs that you had as a baby, but yours weren't met. Yeah. I see that every single day, every day, because people tell me all the time, like, this is, you know, I had somebody actually, another prenatal that I did not too long ago, where the mom was like, um, the baby has to eat every, you know, two hours, two to three hours, start to start. She goes, that's kind of a commitment. <laughs> and I I started laughing and I was like, well, parenting's kind of a commitment. And she laughed too, you know, like, but it's like people, it that really, that is a lot on people. People are very open to saying like, I, I this is too much. This is, this is a lot. I don't want to be the one responsible for all of this. Yeah, it is a lot. And this is why I think a lot of people, because people's needs were not being met. And again, we know we talked about this with like Rebecca Miki when she was here about how like in the 1800s, we started this whole thing, like distancing babies and they were, 
I don't know. You know, remember that conversation? Yeah, yep. Because they had germs or we had yeah. germs. And we, we had would germs give them to them. and, yeah. you know, yeah, they were supposed to be kept separate. And, um, and so we have generations and generations of people, not to mention, you know, trauma going on before that, mm-hmm. um, that um, never got their needs met. Right. And so now we have people who are like, okay, wait a minute. This is not okay. This is not, this is not healthy. In the long run, this creates, you know, lifelong issues with mental health and emotional problems and substance problems and all these things. And now we're trying to, you know, uh, heal the next generation or whatever. And, you know, it really requires like, you know, if you thought you didn't need therapy before, yeah, you're going to need it now. And there was this fantastic book. And I've pulled all of my equipment over to my closet so I can try to find this book. <laughs> that it's like a little workbook, and I remember doing it um, when Jack was a baby, and just like it was going through like all of the, you know asking all these questions about your childhood, and I I really can't remember the name of it, and I want to remember the name of it. I don't think it was this. I think it was by a woman. And whatever, if I can't find it right now, I can just, you know, I'll tell you later. Uh, oh, I think it was this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, I found it. I found called, it. Yes, it's called Connection Parenting. Parenting through connection instead of coercion, through love instead of fear. And it's by Pam Leo, Connection Parenting. I can link and it. I'll link it. It's um, the beginning. I mean, it's got a whole bunch of different chapters about a whole bunch of different things. But... um. It's just this way of like, it's not a workbook. I mean, it's a book, but like I took it and I was just like um, using it like this way as like a little workbook. And I remember taking notes and I had like a whole journal and she would ask these like questions, you know, about your own childhood and kind of processing that. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's fantastic. Anyway. So, you know, that, th- what I'm saying is it's really going to be hard when you go down these, um, when you go down this road of, you know, okay, I want to be more available to my children. I want to parent differently than I was parented. I want to, you know, follow, you know, what my instincts are telling me. You're going to run into, you will likely run into like a lot of stress and a lot of triggers and a lot of, um, just a lot of emotional upheavals that you didn't expect because you probably weren't parented this way. Right. So, but you can do the work and this will make, you know, it can make you, you know, healthier and more secure and all this in um, like ways that you just, in, in ways that you didn't expect as well. You know, you didn't expect the bad and you won't expect the good either. It'll, it can really be transformative. But be, um, that's what I'm looking for. Be confident with it too. You know, I mean, if somebody says to you, oh, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do this. You don't need to, you know, get up with your child every time um, they cry. You don't need to, you know, go running into them every time they need something, you know, they need to figure it out. They need to learn. They need to not build bad habits. Um, you know, and mm-hmm. I think sometimes I hear people saying that they're, they were told to not let their baby build bad habits at the start of like four months, which is insanity. But um, if that doesn't feel right to you, 
that's okay. Like you can, you don't have to listen to what other people tell you at all. You can go against that green if you want to. Yeah. I mean, this is your baby. You can feel confident being like, this is what I'm comfortable doing. And that's, that's it. You know, that's the bottom line. But I feel like we don't like to go against what other people tell us. Um, and it just, it feels uncomfortable to do that. But listening to your, well, listening I, to your instinct and listening to your baby is the best thing you can do. Yeah. And that comebacks episode from, oh yeah. Was it last week or two weeks ago? A couple weeks ago. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's like can be helpful too with this of just like having a couple of things prepared for some when somebody says something to you. It doesn't have to even just be about breastfeed. It can be about any parenting decision you're making. You know, like, oh, thanks. You know, we'll think about that. Or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, this works for us. Or, oh, that's interesting. You know, just have a few things that you would respond and, you know, smile and nod if it's yeah. easier. Um, and if you're somebody who likes to try to educate other people, certain, certainly you can do that. But also don't feel pressured to do that because you're doing enough already. And let me tell you, as somebody who's got, and Abby can tell you too, I mean, her kids are older, not older, but older than babies at this point. And my kids are, you know, basically adults. Well, they're adult mm-hmm. age, but I don't consider them adults. But um, right. it doesn't, it, like, it. it doesn't get it doesn't change. You know, like people will tell you forever what you should be doing with your kids. It does not matter. Like it's not just an infant yeah. thing. As they get older, there's people are still going to say stuff to you about it. And you get more and more confident as you go, but it doesn't it it doesn't get any different. People will, even when your kids are teenagers are going to tell you stuff. When your kids are, you know, 10, they're going to tell you stuff. You should have them do this. You should have them do that. Why are they doing this? Why is your child watching this show? Why are they eating this food? Why are, you know, you shouldn't be doing A, B, and C. It's constant. It's mm-hmm. never ending. And you do, you do get more confident as you go on saying this, this is what we're doing and this is work for us. But when you're, when it's a baby, I feel like you're, you're really like, you're just so unsure, you know, like you just don't want to say anything. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I well, I think I think that's all I've got. I mean, not all I've got, but I mean, I could talk about this all day. But we but, will um, link I'll yeah. link that um that connection parenting. And then there's a book that I read um a couple times that was great. It was called Our Babies Ourselves. I don't know if you oh, read that. Yeah, that's like from the seventies, right? Oh my god, it was so, it's so That's good like though. The big ads. Is it from the seventies? Yeah, our babies ourselves. That was like, yeah. isn't that like one of those big? I know it's older, but I don't remember like when it actually is from. But it was really good because it does. It's really good. So um, that's another one too. That's like I remember somebody yeah. told me once that that should be like the the only parenting book that people read, and I, I think people wouldn't even think that it's a parenting book, but it kind of is. So it's great. But yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm sorry. I really I really wanted to see like what year it was published, but I can't find it quick enough. I wonder if anyway, I look it up. Yeah, yeah. and uh, thanks for listening. Thank you. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.